0: morning, would you open your Bibles to Psalms chapter 4? Psalms chapter 4, we're going to be working through all eight verses in Psalms chapter 4. And as you're turning there, I just want to to say what a privilege it is to be able to worship alongside of you. Um, Just how encouraging it is to hear other believers worshiping the Lord and being strengthened here this morning. What a privilege it is to be able to open God's Word this morning for us to be able to hear from... The Lord of the universe, we're going to be working through all eight verses, beginning in verse one. I'll read through the whole passage, and then we'll break this break this down. It says this: "Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer, O men. How long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long?" Will your love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This Psalm speaks to four different audiences, or four different groups of people. So this morning, what I'm going to be doing is breaking this Psalm into those four different groups for us to look at. The first group of people we see in verse one, and it's the confident prayer. So if you're taking notes, this would be the confident prayer. This is a prayer between David and the Lord. Look with me again in verse 1. It says this, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Since we live in the time of cell phones. Have you ever said that to somebody? Answer me when I call you. Right? I mean, everybody is hitting their spouse. Yeah, that's my spouse. And your spouse is saying the same thing about you that was me last night my wife called me 5 times in a row and my my phone was on silent she went to the movies with a friend here from church and I looked at my phone and I see 5 missed calls in a row like right after each other I mean worst case scenario is automatically what pops in your head she's been in an accident you know so I immediately call her and and she was just lost and she's like I knew when I called that many times in a row that you probably thought something was wrong, but answer your phone, you know? And so that is not what this verse means. It doesn't mean that David is commanding God to answer me when I call, but that's what it may seem like at first. When we look through the rest of the verse, he says, oh God of my righteousness, present tense. David is saying, the God of my righteousness, hear me whenever I am praying to you. And then he goes on and says this, you have given me. And that's a past tense. You have given me something. The thing that David was speaking to is, you have given me relief when I was in distress. So he's saying, because of that, please answer my prayer right now. David had a prayer in the present. And he's saying, you have given me relief when I was in distress in the past. David attributed his relief to the Lord. And this leads us to point number one this morning. God's faithfulness in past experiences emboldens the faithful to confident prayer. This is what David was doing. This is what we should do, that God's confidence in the past encourages us for things we're facing today and things we're facing tomorrow. But our typical response, our natural response is something horrible happens in our life. We lose a job, a family member, we get horrible news about something Somebody does something that damages our character. Our automatic response is we go into meltdown mode. We, we're flooded with emotions and we're not sure how we're going to get through this. That's our typical response. But the response should be, God, you've been faithful in the past and you're going to be faithful today. I have an illustration for us this morning. This is a journal that I had from college. Whenever I was in Bible college, in one of our classes, it was a requirement. We were actually graded in our spiritual formations class on keeping a journal every day for that semester. Every day, we had to write in our journal, and it was our Bible reading time. We had to write the passages we read, what we got out of it, what we were praying for, our needs. We wrote out our prayers, our adoration to God. It's all written in this journal for this semester and dated, and each time I had a need... I would write down this prayer, and whenever that prayer was answered, I would go back, and I would circle it, and I would underline it, and this is a testimony of God's faithfulness in my life. One of the, the, actually the very first semester I was in college, I went to college in this Bible college. I never planned on going into Bible college, not until 11th grade where God called me into ministry. Never thought about going into ministry before that point. Never even thought that 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 was a job. It was just something that God called me to do out of nowhere. And so I had scholarships that if I went to state colleges, I would have gotten more money funded. But since it was kind of like a private college, they didn't award that much. So finances. My parents were like, finances, how are we going to pay for this? Um, I remember many conversations where they would say, why don't you do ministry on the side? And you go for what you were originally gonna go for, architecture and engineering. I already had a two-year degree from my high school in that. Why don't you go to that and do ministry on the side? And that way you can fund the ministry with your finances here. And I remember saying, no, that's not what God has called me to do. God has said to do this, and I have to do it. And I remember that was a tension time between me and my parents of this is what the Lord has called me to do, and I don't know how it's gonna happen, I don't know how I'm gonna pay for it, all these things. First semester in college, had a bill for about $1,000. Had to come up with it in a couple of days. I didn't tell anyone. I wrote it it in my journal. Back home at my home church, two brothers, which happened to be twin brothers, the Lord woke them up in the middle of the night and told them to write me a check. And the amount that he placed on both of their hearts was $500 and $500 dollars. After I wrote it in my journal and it's all recorded, the dates and everything else, two days later, I get two checks from these two brothers. They called each other. They said, I feel the Lord impressing it on my heart to send Casey a check. I don't know why, but the amount was $500. And the other brother said, that's, that's what I heard last night too. Out of the middle of the night, woke up. So I didn't tell anybody. Two days later, I get a check for $500 and a check for $500. Would I have remembered that if I didn't write it down? I mean, how many times has God been faithful to you in your life? I mean, looking back, I mean, go back to grade school, middle school, high school. Think of God's faithfulness in your life. I mean, think of where you're at now, here on a Sunday morning, hearing the word of the Lord, praising God with other believers. This is where you are now, but where could you have ended up that you didn't? God's faithfulness. I mean, think back to some of the friends you had in high school, and you know where those friends ended up. Some family members that ended up in this situation, but not, that's not the situation you're in. What about that you ended up marrying the spouse you have versus that other person you thought was the one, right? How many of you have had that? I know I have. I mean, I, I'm on Facebook, and I'm friends with people I went to high school with. And every, every now and then I'll see something where I'm like, oh, I can't believe there was ever anything there. And it's just kind of like a, a moment with me and God at my computer where it's just like, praise God, I didn't end up with that person. And it's all because of his faithfulness. And there's so many things in our life that, that we can attribute. The first place, I mean, think back. The first job that the Lord allowed you to have. The first place maybe that you... And your wife were able to move into the first home, your first child, all the things of God's faithfulness. This is what David was saying, God, you have been faithful in the past and whatever I'm going through right now, you're faithful in that. I'm not going to doubt what, you've, what you are going to do because I, I can't doubt what you've done. And many times we forget these things. Many times we just live our life and we hear these things, we go into meltdown mode. And I want to say It's important that we all decide today that when the storm or the trial comes, that I am going to remain steadfast in my faith. I'm going to remain in the faith and not allow those circumstances to change it. But I'm deciding today. Because if you try to decide after the news, after the heartbreak, after the diagnosis... It's much more difficult. You decide beforehand, God is faithful, God is good. I wrote something down on a sheet of paper I want to make sure I didn't forget on God's faithfulness. Last night, going to sleep, I I just, I wasn't too tired yet. I I wanted to listen to a sermon. And uh, it's kind of weird, this is what pastors do when they go to bed, they can't sleep. They put on a sermon from YouTube. Um, But I looked up... About Jehovah's Witnesses, I wanted to hear, you know, how I could have handled the conversation a little bit better. And I played one, a random one, from John MacArthur, and this was about a year ago. And, and he was speaking about somebody calling in to him, sending him a letter. And I was praying for these Jehovah Witnesses that I talked to Friday, thinking how did I handle it, God working in the midst of that, speaking to their hearts about the verses that I gave them. And it was so encouraging, and this is a testimony of God's faithfulness. In the sermon, John MacArthur talked about a man calling in who was actually a pastoral trainer for Jehovah's Witnesses for the whole state of Florida. This was the guy that went around and trained all the Jehovah's Witnesses for the state of Florida. That, that was his ministry, that's what he was in charge of. He was listening to John MacArthur on the radio, and John MacArthur talked about Jesus Christ is God, He is Lord. And the Jehovah's Witness, pastoral trainer, turned it off and said, that's, that's wrong, that's blasphemous, I'm not going to listen to that. And he's like, no, I, I, I want to hear what this guy has to say. So he turned it back on, listened to the whole program, and hear John MacArthur say, all week I'm going to be talking about this. So I encourage you to tune in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And the guy did, because he wanted to hear what, what he had to say. And Friday, John MacArthur said, next week I'm going to be talking about the same thing. And so the Jehovah's Witness Um, tuned in the next week. And in a hotel room, while he's going around teaching other pastors how to confront this teaching, he struggled with the Lord and said, Lord, if Jesus Christ really is God, tonight, reveal that to me. And by the morning, he was a believer in Jesus Christ. And this was the person all of Florida, and this was about a year ago. And, And listening to this message, You know, you think God hasn't involved himself there, but I'm praying for these two individuals, unknowing that God has already created a rift in the entire Florida system of their religion because he's already taken out their main teacher, and that main teacher ended up leading his family, all of them Jehovah's Witnesses, to faith in Jesus Christ. And going around, and now he's going back to the places that he originally taught, where he had authority. They looked to him as the teacher, going back and teaching those people who Jesus Christ actually is. And so that is a testimony of God's faithfulness, the things he is doing all throughout our lives and in the lives of others. As we continue on, verse 2, David moves, and these are now words to the faithless. Words to the faithless is this next portion of Psalms 4. says this, O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? David turns and he addresses those who are confronting him, those who are not in the faith. But then verse 3, he says this, But know this, that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Point number two. We see from this psalm this morning is God has set apart the godly and he hears their prayers. God has set apart the godly and hears their prayers. How encouraging is this for us this morning? That as followers of Jesus Christ, we know God has set us apart. He values us and he hears our prayers. He hears our needs. Had an illustration for us this morning regarding being set apart. How many of you have ever had to get rid of something? Something? Let's say you're moving from point A to point B. You look at the moving truck, and then you look at your stuff. You look at the moving truck, you look at your stuff, and you realize everything can't go, right? Well, the problem is we love all of our stuff. It's a lot harder to get rid of things than we want it to be. Maybe you've seen this with a child. You know, they have 500,000 toys. We just had our first Christmas we're contemplating on how to limit this, because this is the first one. And everyone says, oh, it's just the first one. I'm like, what about the next kid? Are <laughs> right, They're going to have a first one, and the next one's going to have a first one. Pretty soon, we're going to have, like, a toy store in our living room. So we're, Amanda and I recently set out all of his toys, and we're like, what are we going to get rid of? He's, he's not even one. You know, what are we going to get rid of? And, we're, and we'll set something aside that we think we want to get rid of, and then he will go play with that. You know, we're like, "Well, we don't we don't want to get rid of that one now he's playing with and then we'll put it back in the pile and set something different and then he'll be playing with that one and it's hard to get rid of things but sometimes it's a lot easier to decide what to keep than it is to decide what to get rid of let's say you have 10 items rather than deciding what to get rid of sometimes we just need to decide what's most important and i'm going to set this thing aside cuz it's most valuable and this thing aside and pretty soon you realize what has value in your life and what doesn't Not based on what you want to get rid of, but based on what you want to keep. Well, this is something we can compare to this. The Lord saying, I have set apart the godly for myself. It's as if there's this big pile and God is saying, this is of value to me. I'm setting it aside. I'm protecting that. That's what scripture says he does with believers. He does that with you and he does that with me. And that's an encouragement to us this morning. David says, because he set me aside, the Lord hears me. He hears my prayers. As followers of Jesus Christ, what a privilege it is. God knows what you're facing, and he sets you aside for his purpose, and he is providing and protecting, and he is faithful. So understand that God's faithfulness in past experience should embolden you in the present and in the future. We know from Psalms 2 That David was being attacked, he was being criticized, maybe degraded, gossiped about. Maybe physically he was being sought after to be killed, as we know from Scripture. But then he goes on to address words to the godly. He turns and now he addresses the godly individuals. He went from a confident prayer to the Lord to speaking to those who weren't in Christ. And now he's speaking to the godly men and women. Verse 4. Look with me. He says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Verse 5, offer right sacrifices. Put your trust in the Lord. Well, why is it that he needs to tell the godly to be angry but don't sin? Well, it's because they were being gossiped about, because they were being attacked. They were being sought after in some way, shape, or form. So when this is going on in your life, David's saying, how do you respond to criticism, to attacks, to attacks in character? Maybe somebody vindictively coming against you. How should the Christian respond? How should you respond when you're being attacked in this way? And David says, be angry, but do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts. Be silent. Don't jump to your first Natural reaction because your first natural reaction is probably going to be a sinful one because it's your natural one, right? That's what the scripture says is our natural reaction is the sinfulness. But then it goes on to say, verse 5, offer right sacrifices. This leads us to point number three circumstances don't regulate our devotion to God, our circumstances. Your circumstances, the the circumstances you're in right now are not the things that dictate your faithfulness to God or your lack of faithfulness to God. Our faithfulness to God remains the same, steadfast, no matter if we're in a good situation or a bad situation. No matter if we're talked about in a loving way or a horrific way, we don't change our devotion to God because our trust is in Him. Our faithfulness is in Him. It's not in our circumstances. It's not in whether I have a little or a lot. Whether I'm loved by others or I'm hated by others, as Terry talked about. This fear of man. This love of man. So circumstances don't regulate our devotion to God. Verse 5, he says, Offer right sacrifices to Him. Don't get angry. Continue to do what is right no matter what. This is what we are called to do. So remember... God's faithfulness in past experiences. Remember his faithfulness. Number two, that God has set apart the godly for himself. But number three, circumstances don't regulate our devotion to God. Verse four may sound familiar because we actually covered something similar in Ephesians. Where Ephesians references this verse. And this will be on the screen. Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. The same thing, don't jump to your natural tendency to respond or to have vengeance. Allow the Lord to have that. Keep quiet in your own heart. Ponder what you need to do. Continue to do what you need to do in this vertical relationship with the Lord. He's going to handle the horizontal. Give no opportunity to the enemy. This last portion, verses 6 through 8, so we've seen the confident prayer, the words to the ungodly, the words to the godly, and now David turns and gives words to the Lord. Words to the Lord. Verse 6, there are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. So David boldly declares what God is currently doing and has previously done. But in verse 7, he says, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Where does David say his joy comes from, church? Where does it say? Somebody say it. From From the Lord. From the Lord. Now, our natural tendency, human's natural tendency, the world's, our culture's natural tendency, is joy comes from external things, internal things. Everywhere else but the Lord. Joy is not something Scripture says we manufacture. It actually says joy is from the Lord. It's not from our hobbies or our sports or our toys or our money or our relationships. Although many times we attribute joy to those things and those things we think gives us joy. But Scripture's saying, regardless if you have all of those things or none of them, you have joy because. God is the one who places it there. And notice the wording, you have put more joy in my heart. It wasn't something to where God allows it. He says, you've placed it there. You put the joy in my life. More than those who have an abundance of the toys, who have an abundance of grain and wine, symbolizing the tangible things in this life. This is why Paul could say, whether I have much or little It's all about what I have in Jesus Christ. And as believers, we have access to all the blessings of Jesus Christ. We have all of them. It's not like he withholds any from us. This is what it means to have our life in Christ. Point number four. It's very similar to point number three. Possessions and wealth don't regulate our joy. God does. Our possessions and our wealth don't regulate our joy. But God does. Look in verse 8 says, in peace. Now remember, David is going through a situation where he was being persecuted and attacked, but then he says, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. Have You ever been going through something where you're having a hard time sleeping? David is saying, in peace, I'm able to lay, I'm able to lay my head down on the pillow with peace at night. What about when you're going through something? I mean, how hard is it to lay down with comfort and peace, resting assured that the Lord's handling it all? This is what David was able to do. He says, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. And here's why. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. We saw the, similar to this last week in Psalms 3.5. If you're following in God's word, just the, the page before it says this, I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. David is saying, even when things are crumbling in his life, even when things are crumbling in our life, we can lay down and sleep and have comfort. Not because everything is peaceful in my life, not because everything is perfect, but because I have a faith in a perfect God. That's what it means. And, and how, do we, how do we trust in God? Has he not been faithful to us in the past? I mean, this is what we have to tie it back to. God has shown us faithfulness in the past, and he's been faithful to us now, and we trust in his faithfulness in the future. And it goes back to looking through this whole psalm. You have given me relief when I was in distress. You have separated me apart. You've set me apart, set apart the godly. You hear me when I call. Scripture says, be angry, don't sin. Allow the Lord to be the one who does what he needs to do. Verse 5, offer right sacrifices. Continue to do what's right no matter what. Because I put my trust in the Lord. Verse 7, you have placed the joy in my heart. It doesn't come from my circumstances. And I have more joy than those who have an abundance of wealth, who have an abundance of possessions. Because our joy is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. In peace, for you alone, O Lord. Look in verse 8. What's this next word? For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Make me dwell. It isn't because David bought the best protection. It's not because he had the best bodyguards. It's not because God has allowed David to rest. It's not because... David had the option to dwell in safety. It's actually because Scripture says the Lord makes him dwell in safety. It's not an option. The Lord is making David dwell in safety because the Lord set him apart for his purpose. I find comfort in that, that the Lord makes me dwell in safety for his own purposes. He makes it happen. It's not something that I have to step into. He says. I will make you dwell in safety and I will give you peace and I will be the one that places joy in your heart. This goes all back to God's faithfulness and that we trust in a big God that he is providing for us. He is protecting us. We've seen from the psalm he's given us relief. He set us apart for his purpose. The Lord hears us when we call. He's placed joy in our hearts He allows us to have peace. He makes us dwell in safety. What a comfort that is as a follower of Jesus Christ that he gives joy. He gives comfort. He gives safety. He's the one who avenges. He's the one who provides for us. What does that mean in your life today? Whatever it is you're facing. What about family members and friends who are facing situations? This is a message we need to internalize and know God is for us. Think about that. God is for us. God has been faithful to us in the past. God is faithful. Now you're sitting in church hearing the word of God. He has been faithful. None of us deserve to have a copy of this. None of us deserve to be able to hear the word of God this morning. None of us deserve to be able to worship here, but he's faithful and we're here. And he will be faithful in the future. We know it because he's been faithful in the past. He's been faithful in the present. He promises he will be faithful to us in the future. These are things we cling on to as believers. I encourage you this morning, if you have something you'd like to have prayed about, we have a prayer team after the service that's going to be available right up front. Trusting in God's faithfulness. If you need prayer, if you have family or friends that need prayer, come talk with this team. If you want to talk with a pastor, come grab me. Or or let us know right on a connect card. I'd like to meet with a pastor. If you want to get discipled. You want to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been a follower. And you want to learn what it means to grow more in your faith. You want to get connected with another woman. To help you grow in the faith. One to one discipleship or another man. We as a church want to provide these things. To shepherd the flock. Because this is what God has called us to do. I encourage you. Whatever God is laying on your heart, maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you're not really sure if you have actually followed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There's nothing more important than making sure that you understand why that is. What you've trusted in. Who Jesus Christ is from Scripture. Not just because somebody said, oh yeah, you're saved. But actually to know why it is. If you have questions on that, please come meet with me or someone else who you know is a godly individual I encourage us this morning just to spend some time praying to the Lord let's spend a few moments praising him for his faithfulness to us praising him for all the things he's done I'm going to give a couple of moments for you and the Lord to spend time together so let's let's do that now we thank you for your faithfulness. When I think about my family, all the things you've allowed me to have, the possessions, access to your word, a body of believers that love you, that I'm able to worship you without fear of persecution or death, that I know even in death I have eternity of salvation how many times you have protected me maybe you know that you should have ended up somewhere else but through God's provision you're where you're at today God we give you praise for that, God help us God forgive us because we so often forget how faithful you have been we just take it for granted and we continue to live our life like we're the ones doing these things we're the ones protecting our families we're the ones providing the income we're the ones who allowed us to get to where we are at today but Lord we know it's not because of us it's because of you God I pray for each and every single person who's here God may you get a hold of hearts if there's anything that we need to repent of may you reveal it If there's anything that we need to confess to someone, may you reveal it. God, help us to worship you in just a moment. Not caring about somebody hearing us sing, but because we want to praise you with everything we have. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your provision, for your faithfulness in in the past, for your faithfulness today your faithfulness in the future. Thank you that you give us joy and that you make us dwell in safety. God, what a blessing it is to be able to have a God like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.